The Near Futurist, a podcast with Guy Clapperton. Hello, and thanks for downloading The Near Futurist, a show presented by me, Guy Clapperton. In this episode, we're going to look at how recruitment channels are changing worldwide. But first, and if you've heard the show before, you've probably got this memorized by now, a few words about who you're listening to. I'm Guy Clapperton, a technology journalist and conference speaker with 30 years experience. You might have heard me or seen me on the BBC occasionally, read some of my books, or seen me in The Guardian, Intelligence Sourcing, Medium and elsewhere. I speak or facilitate a lot at conferences and hear experts talking about their forecasts about what's likely in 20 years. I'm likely to be retired in 20 years, that's what's happening in my life. So I'd rather use my 30 years experience as a commentator to discuss what's likely to happen later this year, early next, and the action we need to take now. So I came up with the Near Futurist name. Do please have a look at my website at nearfuturist.co.uk where you'll find more episodes and information on what we're about. If you'd like to book me as a speaker or MC for your technology event, do have a look at the showreel on the site and drop me a line, guy at nearfuturist.co.uk. That's nearfuturist as one word. Or get in touch with my agent whose details are, of course, also on the site. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please do consider leaving a review on the iTunes store or wherever you download from. And if you're new to the show, you're very welcome. But that's more than enough about me. My guest this time was 16 when she became the youngest inventor in Estonia's history. At 19, she was speaking in front of the European Parliament on behalf of young entrepreneurs everywhere. By 23, she was named the CEO of MTV Estonia, the youngest person in the world to hold that sort of title. She is a woman of firsts, a trailblazing female entrepreneur in Estonia who now has her sights set on transforming how and where we work. Thank you very much for joining me, Carly Hendricks. Thank you for having me here. Looking forward to our conversation. Great, me too. So I love the look of the pitch when your people got in touch. It does sound interesting. But in terms of recruitment, people have been recruiting for ages, haven't they? Well, what's changing now? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think the whole world around us and the way we work is changing. Um, I can just uh, take you back briefly to where I actually had the idea and, and how that reflects to the transformation that is going on in the world. It was in the Silicon Valley Mecca where I, uh, I was taking my morning uh, jokes while being in Singularity University in Mountain View, where I started to think about this fact that how in the world we have this region of the world where amazing companies are being built. You know, it's not like anybody in Silicon Valley just happens to be smarter than anybody else on, in the world. And I started to think about, first of all, what is the recipe of success in Silicon Valley? And I realized it's the fact that smart people are drawn there. And then I looked at the world around me and I realized that as people are moving so much more than before, could we start to create, in a way, like digital communities of smart people and distribute those smart people and replicate Silicon Valley outside Silicon Valley? So that's what we started to do. And I think why this is possible, why work and recruitment has become especially interesting right now is the fact that countries are changing. So basically, countries used to be something that is static, you know, just folks hanging around in that specific land, going to school, going to their bar, going to their workplace, and suddenly you have the whole world as your new opportunity because people now through the networks are so much more globally connected, which means that so much more comfortable to live anywhere. So suddenly, just the fact that we are moving, the fact that countries are not static anymore, 
is changing the way we work and also as an entrepreneur, the way we are competing for talent. That's interesting because I read a book by Bill Gates once about how uh, geography wasn't going to matter so much. We were all going to be working remotely. We were all going to be working from home and our nations weren't going to matter quite so much to us. But that was 1992 or 94, whenever it was. It, It hasn't really happened. What specifically is changing about it now, do you think? I think there are a few things. First of all, in general, you mentioned remote work. There's actually, there was a forecast that, which was a pretty bold forecast, which is predicting that by 2035, there will be 1 billion digital nomads. So a form of working that basically didn't exist 10, 15 years ago, was very rare, has become such an important way we actually work. Remote work being that you are location independent. So that's one thing. On the other hand, what's happening in the world is that we have been talking about talent shortage, yes, throughout years, but never before has it been so painful as it is today. So there's estimation that by 2030, there will be a shortage of uh, talent, which is basically the size of population of Germany, which is 85 million people. So basically, every country and organization in the world is hunting for the same people, when I, if I may use those words. I've been writing the skills shortage story ever since yeah. I started as a journalist 30 years ago. From what you say, there's no signs of it being over. No. Why no. is there no sign of it being over? And what sort of impact is this going to have? And will it continue to have in the real world? Yeah, in the real world, actually, it's estimated that the cost, if the skill shortage is not realized, then basically the cost for the world will be around $9 trillion. And just for you to understand what the shortage means, then let's take the country that will is already suffering, but will be significantly more suffering is Japan. So by 2030, there will be 18 million people just in Japan missing from the workforce just to maintain economy. And that doesn't mean grow, that means just to remain on the same level. So, and what is impacting is definitely the fact that we have also quite a a bit of mismatch in terms of what education is uh, creating and what the the jobs out there. So we have jobs that, like, even if I look at Jobatical, I mean, there are companies all over the world that are hiring app developers. And we all know that, you know, in 2006, this kind of, this is a job that didn't even exist. So we have this mismatch between education and what the work, what, what is actually needed in terms of a workforce and the fact that people are moving around. So basically you have to, as a country, you have to work much harder in order to get the attention of talent, get the attention of the right talent. And so all of that together is causing this painful situation for the companies all over the world. The other thing that's not helping, of course, is the international situation. I should just make it clear for listeners, we're recording this in advance on the 9th of April. So if anything by any chance has happened about Brexit or anything else by the time this podcast is released on the 26th, that's why we haven't mentioned it. But this whole Brexit thing's becoming incomprehensible. It does seem that whether it's Brexit or Donald Trump and the American insistence on the HB1 visa, basically to try and cut down on the cheaper Indian employees coming in, the employment market seems to be turning more localized, just as the skills shortage is really kicking in and making an international approach more essential from what you're saying. How do you balance the one up against the other? Yeah, that's. Uh, I love this topic. Um, and I, by the way, Guy, have you read a book that I have thought to myself that if ever person 
in Britain or in America or actually anywhere in the world would read that book, I don't think we would have that situation that we are seeing. And that's Hans Rosling's Tactfulness. Have you I'm, read I'm, that book? I'm familiar with the book, but you don't go around accusing British people of reading books. Uh, <laughs> No, no, I, I, I really recommend to read this. Thank you. I will do so. Thank uh, you. And uh, answer a lot of the questions. And it was very, uh, it's a very amusing read as well. But I think, and this is really interesting what's happening, because on one hand, we have, I mean, literally, we have a situation where we can say that where talent moves will define the success or failure of economies. And on the other hand, it seems like countries are closing down. And I think there is a reaction for a change that is happening. I really like, so, so meaning that there is a change happening. The change is that people are moving more than ever before. There is so much more like this global identity, identity that is created. You know, we have the identity of being British or Estonian or American, but now we are seeing more and more communities which are operating cross-border, which are connecting people in the similar mindset that there are more identities that are emerging and then that is creating fear and we see the abuse of that fear across the countries in the world, right? So people don't just come to those conclusions, they are guided through, through their fears to come to the conclusions. But I think there is one big thing that we have to understand is that this change that they are reacting to, the fact of that change is not going anywhere. So I, I think what we are seeing is and what I would really advocate and what I, we have been advocating in terms of Jobatical as well is to really building the dialogues with the governments. So with Jobatical, what we are doing is, is we are having dialogues and we are with governments in order to have specific visa that is designated for the digital talent that is on our platform. So right now we have Estonian government, this has already passed the parliament in Southeast Asia, we're going to pilot the similar policy. And our goal is basically to find more and more countries who plug into the fact that people who, who are in our community, who are the knowledge workers, would have a fast access to the country, which would actually benefit the country in terms of helping them to solve the talent shortage. But I think what I'm wanting to say here is that we often leave this discussion about policy, we kind of leave it to politicians. But in this era where businesses and communities have such a strong voice versus what it was 20, 30, 40 years ago, then we should use that voice more. I really liked how Harari, uh, the historian Harari said that the thing today with politicians is that they don't really have too many possibilities to make positive impacts, but unfortunately they still have possibilities to make negative impacts. And I think that's where communities and businesses should, have, should use their voice more in order to uh, avoid that. Now, I know you've worked with, as I mentioned in the introduction, the European Union. You've uh, spoken on behalf of uh, young uh, inventors and also, you know, in your own part of the world, in Eastern Europe and Estonia specifically, you're working with the Estonian government. What are governments doing to actually help in terms of building these international communities of technologists? Yeah, I have had a very interesting experience in that sense that I started, as you mentioned, when I was 16, when I became an entrepreneur from very random school project that ended up being very successful. And then witnessing the change of startup as a word, I don't think it was invented when I was 16, right? And then now seeing also this country, Estonia, transforming from one of the poorest countries in the world just less than three decades ago to the most digitally advanced country in, uh, on planet Earth. And if you ask what are the things that have been done, I think the big things that have been done is that 
Estonia has managed to really create a user experience of a country that is extremely user friendly. <laughs> so what it means is that as as a as a citizen or as an entrepreneur, it's really easy to to just do your own things. So just examples of that is, I mean, it takes literally two minutes to do income tax declarations. It took me 10 minutes while drinking cappuccino and eating an omelet in a cafe to set up my company. So voting is online. So there are so many things that just are the frictions that just consume our time in most of the countries that have been then eliminated. And and I think what i talking about Estonia then it the country has also made it really, really, really simple to, uh, to hire globally. Per capita, hi- uh, highest number of startups in Europe. And why it's good to build a company here is basically you don't have the limitations of borders as in most countries. So, so those are the few things that uh, we have seen in Estonia that have been done. But I think the biggest thing is that there's a constant dialogue between the uh, community and the government. And the government is really ready to... Um, or has been ready to experiment in a way, thinking like a startup to see how to improve the user experience for businesses and citizens. Yes, it's an interesting point, isn't it? I think that there does need to be this mobility, but people do tend to sort of congregate around their own tribe, if you like. You know, the Silicon Valley thing happened partly because there's an awful lot of money sloshing around there, but also because once you've established that there is somewhere called Silicon Valley that people really like working, they will flock there. Do you think that Estonia and perhaps other places around Europe are going to start attracting the same sort of cachet? I believe it. In that sense, what I, if you look at Silicon Valley, there was interesting statistics. I remember, I think, it was two years back, where Silicon Valley Index, which said that 74% of the computer science workers are uh, foreign-born. So, in that sense, there's yes, there there was generated a, a lot of money, but that money was also generated through the diversity that was brought in, right? So, I do think that today uh, we are seeing more and more possibilities for companies to really unicorns to be emerged from anywhere in the world. And that we will see also that happening in Europe. We see that happening in Asia where we're mostly navigating. But going back to what I said earlier, I believe the country and what the countries are doing in order to enable that is really important because literally it's very hard if you go to Greece, for example, where it takes like one year to hire anybody, especially from abroad. Versus if you go to a country where it takes one a week to hire somebody from abroad, uh, then the user experience of a country becomes so significant in terms of building the success of that specific region or country. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it makes an awful lot of sense. But uh, as you say, the rest of the picture across the rest of the world is very mixed. Uh, so if you were, well, you probably are still young, but if you were you know, just starting out now, mm-hmm. what would you think you and other younger people would need to know about the transferability of their skills and indeed their mobility as people? I mean, what can they expect realistically? Yeah, that's a good question because I have a six-year-old daughter and I'm asking that question as, as both from my own point of view, but also point of view of what should I teach my child, right? Mm. And in my opinion, I think the biggest thing that we have to uh, be capable of doing is uh, changing. And I think that's very often what we are seeing. Our education system is not really, at least the education systems that I have seen have not really emphasized that. I think, Kai, if you ask me what are the jobs that will be top 10 most thought after in 10 years, I don't have the answer for that. Mm. And I don't, I don't know if anybody else has, but I do think that we 
the biggest thing that we have to be ready is that we are constantly in change and we are comfortable with change. So that's the only thing that I think we can predict right now. Yes, and I suppose in terms of international mobility, it's just going to be a matter of whichever systems emerge and that's in the hands of the politicians uh, rather than the technology. So the question, like I just may, I think what is really interesting in terms of on Jabatico, we see people, you know, people join Jabatico uh, community when they want to work in another country, which also makes us kind of gives us a way to see the reactions that are coming from something is happening in the country. So we in 2016, for example, in November, we saw a huge spike from the United States. And the United States is number one for us in terms of talent source. So people coming and moving to another country uh, until today. UK, for example, a year ago, it was around top 10 countries where the talent wanted to move away from. And during the past three months, it has got to uh, number four. Similarly, like when Brazil had elections last autumn, right away we saw, saw a reaction. So that's just very interesting to see how also the bad user experience or something that you as a professional see that something will happen that will limit your capabilities to use your full potential or, or you're just, if I may say, pissed off, <laughs> then you, you can just choose to leave. And I think that's one of the things that is changing in the world that wasn't really there 10, 15 years ago. I think that's probably right. So if people are interested to find out more about yourself and your organization, where can they find out more information? They can come to chobatical.com or just tweet me at Carly Hendricks in Twitter. That's great. Carly Hendricks, thank you very much indeed for joining me. Thank you, guys. And many thanks, as always, to you for listening. That was the Near Futurist podcast with me, Guy Clapperton. I'll be back in two weeks' time, as always. Don't forget to have a look at the website at nearfuturist.co.uk and maybe leave a review somewhere. See you in a fortnight.